my name is Gianni Russo, a.k.a. Carlo, the infamous son-in-law from The Godfather. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. Walking with a limp like, will I ever run? Once again, or is this it? Am I forever done? Living in the hospital was never fun. Some people were cool, but not everyone. You never know who you're lying in a Good afternoon or evening, wherever you are listening to us from. It's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast. And this is a very special one for us, and you'll find out why in a minute. I want to introduce my co-host, my co-writer, my friend, Pat Petrelli. How you doing, Mark? How's everybody doing? Very well. Uh, before we start, just a few announcements, actually one announcement. Uh, our audio book for The Sixth Family is finally out after months of uh, uh, waiting and getting a lot of emails from our subscribers. We did it. Actually, actually, Gianni did it. He's uh, reading the book and did a hell of a job. And it is available on our Sixth Family page on Amazon. That said, back to you. All right, please. Well, I'm excited, as I said, about this show, because I'll give you a little history. I met this young lady's parents before I met her, and uh, they come to New York often. And fortunately, through the years, we met, and then they I invited them to one of my shows, I believe at Le Cirque or Four Seasons, when I was doing my weekly shows in New York, my singing variety shows. And we became friends. And then her father became a fan of the podcast. Then Julia, who I'm about to introduce, she became a part of the podcast, a fan of the podcast. And uh, when she found out about us looking for a co-host, she threw a hat in the ring. And um, we're going to give her a shout out of today. And it, it was, was the oh, it's still open the audition up until July 1st, if I, my memory serves me right. Yeah, July 1st. And then, uh, but today I want to introduce Julia. How are you, my darling? I'm very good. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, um, we welcome you. And if you don't mind, if you would just share some of your background, uh, no, no phone numbers or addresses, please. But... Uh, <laughs> Unless you, you know, inclined to getting inundated <laughs> with calls, but um, just so they know who you are, I think it's uh, a great addition. Number one, just because you are from down under, we are international, fortunately. <laughs> so tell us who you are, my darling. Yeah. Um, so I am currently actually based in New York. Um, but I grew up and was born in Melbourne, Australia, um, to obviously my parents that Gianni was just talking about um, with one older sister. Um, I was performing my entire life in musical theatre, dancing, singing, acting. Um, and then I actually went to Monash University and completed my double degree in business management as well as um, communication design. And then I decided to take a little break from that. And then I came over to New York and spent some time at Broadway Dance Center and applied for a couple um, certificates in musical theater over here. And I got accepted in AMDA, which I'm just about to complete in a week's time. I'll be graduating from there, which is really exciting. And so I went home, completed my double degrees, and then I came back here and I've been living in New York for about year and a half so you've been busy <laughs> very very busy yeah <laughs> well we're going to put you to work and make you even more busy uh this episode uh is one of our, our favorites because you basically don't have to do anything but answer questions no research we love that hmm. uh we get emails uh and we save them up every three or four shows we uh we answer your questions so uh, judy will be going down the list and we'll be doing the best we can to uh answer those emails so take it away julia we do okay so the first question is from mitchell and it is a two-part question so the first part is dear gianni 
Did you ever hear any of the old timers like Frank Costello, Carlo Gambino or Maya Lansky ever talk about the Castellamorese War in the early 30s between Joe Miseria and Salvador Moranzo? If so, is there anything you can share that they shared? It is my understanding that the Maranzano initially created the five families and was murdered by Lancy's men shortly after or before Lucky Luciano took over. So that's part one. Well, I happen to know that history because of my great uncle, Angelo Russo, in Chicago, in uh, Sicily, and he sent Carlo Gambino to America. And Carlo Gambino, at 17 years of age, was a made man out of the Gambino family in Sicily. And the reason he was sent over here, like other people who came from different, even Ireland, everywhere, some of the people came here from the old country, and they were actually taking advantage of the immigrants from their own country. And that's what the Maranzanos were doing. And they were shaking down, you know, people in Little Italy and where they ever, you know, communicated at that, uh, congregated at that time. So with that, that's how the five families came to be. And mm -hmm. fortunately, uh, Maya Lansky, Frank Costello, and Luciano, and the Genoveses created it and ran it very well for a long time until where we are now with the young group, even more grittier and doing some things we, we don't really condone. I mean, we, being my age, the younger group is heavily into drugs and many other things. So, yes, I do know a lot about that. Mm. And um, thank you for the question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then the next part is, Dear Pat, as a mob historian, are you familiar with that chain of events? If so, there might be enough content um, on the Castella Morese War for a full episode. Uh, there's enough for many episodes. Uh, basically, what uh, Mitchell uh, said in, in, in the first part that uh, about Salvatore Maranzano originating the five families, he didn't originate the five families. He wanted to be the boss of everything. That's how it. Uh, that's basically what got him killed. Uh, and then as Gianni uh, added, uh, the people who actually organized uh, the mafia as we know it today started the five families in the early 1930s. By that time, Marizano uh, was history because he, he was killed by uh, Luciano, who organized organized crime. Then it was sort of disorganized crime. But yeah, we can do a show on that uh, uh, and uh, put it into uh, one episode. It would be interesting. And uh, we get a lot of our ideas from you folks, uh, subscribers. And My that's name Mitchell. Good, His uh, name is Mitchell. Yes, Mitchell. Mitchell, thank you for the idea. We'll definitely do a show on that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, hey, Julia. Moving Ooh. on. So, next question is from Michael. He says, Good day. Just curious if Gianni knew Jimmy Durante. And if so, does he have any good stories about him? Love his music. Also, does Gianni know if there is any mafia in the Twin Cities, Minnesota area? Don't really hear much about it up here in the frozen, frozen tundra. Thanks. Well, Jimmy Durante, I became very close to, actually. It's a good question, too. I mean, Jimmy Durante gave me the privilege when Bing Crosby died. Jimmy Durante was living down in La Jolla and Laguna and around that area. And the racetrack down there is famous. And there was a song, an opening song, called Where the Surf Meets the Turf at Odell Mall. And it's the Del Mall racetrack. And he gave me the privilege to, on opening day at Del Mall, up until a few years ago. In fact, I was invited again this year to go, but or I've been booked already. And I used to go down and sing that song in the opening day, where the surf meet the turf at Old Del Mar, and sit with him and his lovely wife on the 50-yard line and spend a week or two with them. I love Jimmy Durante. <laughs> I knew Jimmy Durante from my father's restaurant. I mean, he, yeah, he, in his heart, he never left the Lower East Side. And every chance he got, he would go back to the old neighborhood. And I knew him, you know, you have to understand, I was like six years old, seven years old and up. 
uh, all these people used to come in and I just thought they were regular people. I didn't know they were celebrities. They were just either nice people or people I didn't like, but everybody loved Jimmy Durante. Jimmy Durante was born old. Yeah. And the other thing most people don't know, the generation, a couple of generations that are listening to us, at that time, New York City was where all the variety shows were from. So they came in to do the Ed Sullivan show. They came in to do the Jackie Gleason show. So a lot of celebrities lived in New York City and then had other homes where they went to. But this was the mecca of really vaudeville and and so many people like the Jimmy Durantes. In fact, I, I think um, Jack um, Jackie Gleason. Yeah. Uh, he lived in a, a what, what hotel was it? Because I used to see him all the time at Touch Yours. Yeah, he was at my father's place all the time. He, he loved, loved my father's cooking. It's just to show you that the two people coming out of the same era, the two exact opposites. Jimmy Durante was just a nice person, uh, always nice, always pleasant, loved kids. He's just a great person. Jackie Gleason, who I admire for his talent, uh, when he had a couple of drinks in him, he was a real rotten SOB boy. He was just nasty. He scared me. I was like eight years old. <laughs> you know, I mean, the guy was, wasn't very pleasant at all. That said, when he arrived to the place sober, the uh, word would get out in the area and all the kids would crowd around the restaurant. My father wouldn't let him in. It was a licensed premises. But when he left, Gleason would hand out dollar bills. And you're talking a long time ago, a dollar meant a lot of money. And he, he would get besieged by people. So he was a very mercurial guy. He was something like Frank Sinatra. Yeah. He had exactly. good days and bad days. Well, it, uh, they're bipolar. They, they, I mean, uh, and the, we should bring out, because I knew Jackie Gleason really well, just mm -hmm. from being at Tuchur's. And there was an old saying that, uh, I forgot who it was, that uh, a real drunk many years ago created, it's post time. Um, who was that? Because post time was four o'clock at Toot Shores. At four o'clock, they'd start drinking. And then they'd have to go over to what now is the Colbert and was Letterman. And they keep changing the CBS theater name. It was, and we went through all of them. It was the Gleason, Ed Sullivan show, all of that. But imagine they started drinking at four. Went over to tape a live show at seven thirty. Ah, absolutely. They couldn't even walk. But as soon as Jackie Gleason was, he was he was on Broadway. I I, I forget the show. He won a Tony for it. He used to leave my father's bar because there was an eight o'clock curtain. So he would leave about six thirty, quarter to seven. Because he had to get the theater makeup and all that. Couldn't even walk. He was leg. He would fall off the bar stool getting to the limousine to get him to the theater. <laughs> and once he walked on stage, yeah, perfect. That's it. What's the last go on? But perfect. Didn't slur, didn't do anything. He was amazing. But these he, are two he, great questions. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, next, Julia. Yes, next is um, my son turned me onto these podcasts and I am hooked. I spend a lot of time driving and it makes the time fly by. My grandfather was Frank Costello's driver and bodyguard back before your time. He was Frank's nephew. Joaquino Aloisi. On top of that, The Godfather 1 and 2 are my favorite movies. Three sucked. Be well and keep the stories coming. Yeah, three did suck. <laughs> did you know that guy, Johnny? His driver? No, no, no. As he pointed out, once once Frank came out of jail, and I was on a day-to-day -day basis with him in 57. He was a total different gentleman at that time. Yeah. And he only had one bodyguard, Blackie. He was with him every day. And he used to walk from the west side, come down 57th Street, 59th Street, rather. And that's how I met him. Because as we know, you wrote the, the, the biography. That's yeah. how I met him in front of the Sherry Netherlands. Thank God for that man. I'm living in his apartment right now. We're broadcasting out of it. <laughs> R.I.P. Frank Costello. Okay, Julia, next. Yep. So the next one is, I just finished listening to your audio book, Hollywood Godfather, and was totally caught up in your story. Thank you for sharing your story. I'm hoping that your desire of the book helping you to reconnect with your family came true. Did it? If so, how is it going? 
I've only listened to your very first podcast, so I don't know yet if that was addressed in a future podcast. I do intend to listen to all of the podcasts. So here we go. And that was from Catherine. Well, Catherine, I, hope Catherine has a lot of, I hope Catherine has a lot of time on her hands. We yeah, have like 250 yeah. shows in the can here. You know? Well, that's great, though. Give us something to do. But uh, Catherine, to share a very personal thing, I have no problem doing that because, you know, it's uh, for the audience that don't know, I have nine sons and three daughters and 14 grandchildren. The negative part of all that is they have 10 mothers. That's not like one or two mothers. So it's trying to get, you know, nine of my sons who were raised by their mothers, and I don't go out of the way, I'm not going to say I do, to bring them back in. The door is open. My phone number is the same phone number. You want to call me? Call me. I'm not reaching out to you. You know, uh, here we are. <laughs> the uh, the writer, uh, Catherine, whatever her name, that, Catherine, right? Catherine, yeah. Okay, she is referring to uh, the end of the book where, you know, right. you indicate that one of the reasons or the main reason you uh, wrote the book was to tell your extended family about what you went through and uh, and why you went through it. And I guess she's asking, was that, uh, that's the any success in reconnecting with anyone in your family? One or two did, and then they stopped. I, I, you know, it's happened. I'm having a tremendous amount of luck, and, and I thank God for that, of my grandchildren reaching out to me, which I think is more important. Yeah. Some of my kids act older than me. My oldest son is 63. So, I mean, you know, he's like... Uh, yeah. And he hates me because he lost all his hair. I had said I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Don't blame me for that. Well, that, that hair loss thing generally sk skips a generation. So uh, you, you lucked out. He didn't. Okay. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that question. Okay. Next. Next is from James. He says, Trujiani and Patrick, without mentioning names, another organized crime-related podcaster has started a YouTube channel with several other made guys and an actor. The purpose of the channel is advice-oriented regarding how to be the best person you can be. What's your opinion on this venture, and would you be open to giving lifestyle advice? Okay, uh, I'll go first, if Please. I may. <laughs> then I'll go second. Uh, I, I know who Without James, mentioning names, Matt. We no, don't no, I know who James is talking about, and he's, right. got, he's got two podcasts. One is a very successful podcast dealing with his area of expertise, which is organized crime. Like, this is our area of expertise. So what he decided to do is branch out into uh, a, a second podcast, and we won't mention the name of that either, but it's basically uh, exactly what Julia said was to uh, give listeners life advice. Now, you got to understand that he's got six made guys that most of them did heavy prison time, and these are the people who are going to be giving life advice. I know <laughs> for myself, you know, the, the basic uh, demographic of people who listen to this, these types of podcasts dealing with the history of organized crime, organized crime in the present, you're not dealing with younger people. I would say the youngest uh, members of our audience, with a few exceptions, are probably in their late 30s and up because they, they uh, have an interest in organized crime. They've been studying it all their lives. They want to hear from us as they want to hear from this other gentleman that uh, we're talking about in the email. Uh, if you have to, at the age of 45, for example, have to contact some wise guy about advice in your lifestyle, you got a problem. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, uh, if, if your parents, well, let's put it this way. I'm not putting, I'm not going to cast dispersions on, on somebody else. I couldn't give anybody lifestyle advice. I'm still trying to straighten my life out. I mean, <laughs> you know, we are in, in a position to do that. Well, we are an entertainment channel. To answer the last part of your question, would we be up to doing something like that? We are an entertainment channel. We're totally unrehearsed. We're here to have fun. Uh, and obviously, we've been pretty successful. This is our, we're going into our fifth year doing this. But to, I mean, I wouldn't have the audacity, I'm talking about myself, to start dispensing advice to people who are older than my kids. And that should have, and if those people have to reach out to me to ask me, uh, that scares me, to tell you the truth. Uh, anyway, Giant, take it over from me. What do you think? 
Well, I, I know uh, actually the producer of the show, and he was very generous to you and I without mentioning his name in the beginning. Yeah. And then when he created this, and I said to myself, I don't want to be a part of it. And he said, why? I said, just, I, well, first of all, you're on you know a day-to-day -day basis with these gentlemen. They have their lives. I don't reflect on it. I don't want to be a part of it. And I don't want to be associated with them. And they've reached out on their own, a few of them, for me to talk or answer questions and whatever. And I really, I mean, enjoy yourselves. Hope you're a success. You will be. There's an audience for all of us, fortunately. Yeah. Sure. And uh, But, you know, for the listener who's taking their advice, don't forget to research their background. Yeah, uh, many, consider the source. How many people did they kill? How many drugs did they sell? How much time did they do? Remember where you're getting your advice. That's all I could say. Next question. Okay. Um, so this is from Giovanni. He says, how goes the search for a replacement for the new co-host to replace Megan? Whoa. Well, hopefully we have our answer. Yeah, it's your I mean, you're you're looking at her now if you're if you're watching this podcast, which we'll be on in about, a, about two weeks. Uh, and anybody that's listening, respond to what you're hearing today and tell us your opinion. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, you have to like as much as we do because we don't really keep listening. Mm -hmm. So that's fair enough, I think. Yes, I think. Okay. Uh, hold on, uh, Gianni. Uh, well, perhaps we should go to a commercial break. Okay. We're going to commercial. Don't go nowhere. We know where you live. We'll be right back. Today's show is being sponsored by Corleone Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Corleone Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco Extra Virgin Olive Oil from Sicily, they created delicious pasta sauces, marinade, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneFineItalian.com That's CorleoneFineItalian.com Okay, we're back. Next, Julia, what do we have now? Yes, this is from Paula. So she says, who would your vote go to for the craziest mafia gangster, living or dead? Say that again. So, who do you think is the craziest gangster, living or dead? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, well, you think about it. I have, I have several, but I'll just name one. Carmine Galante, who was, uh, look, up, look up in the dictionary the word psychopath, and it will be a picture of Carmine Galanti, was this guy was not only, uh, he was a certified psychopath, which you get tested when you go to prison. But uh, if you looked at him, he scared you. And I, I, I never had any personal interaction with him, but I used to hang out in a place that was uh, two blocks away from where his mistress lived. And he was often in that apartment and I would see him on the street on occasion. He had the blackest eyes I've ever seen. Like he had no whites. <laughs> it seemed just black eyes. And you could be saying good morning. And he gave you this look that would just send chills through you. So that's, my, he gets my vote. Plus all, plus all the things he did. The guy was just crazy. He he killed, he killed a New York City police officer, didn't care. And this was, wasn't from a police officer coming in, uh, interrupting a crime he was committing. Galanti had it in for this guy for years from the old neighborhood and he was going to kill him no matter what. And he did. And he, he faked an armed robbery, killed the cop and left the proceeds of, of the, the robbery in the store. He was supposed to have stuck up. So he might've been crazy, but he was also pretty stupid in my opinion, but uh, he's got, that was absolutely nuts. Who's your choice? Well, first I want to uh, clarify. They said organized crime. Anybody. Yeah. yeah just mafia gangster. Well, mafia gangster. Okay. Yeah. Great. No, he was definitely unorganized. Yeah. <laughs> he was just. You know, I, 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 I know so many people. How about Neil? Did what they did. How about how about O'Neill? O'Neill was, I mean, the best. I loved O'Neill. O'Neill to me, next to Costello, uh, um, 
was a, a good person to me. And really. I mean, when you looked at him, when you looked at him, he scared you. Oh my God, no. I mean, oh, some of those guys, forget about it. But I mean, O'Neill was very, very withdrawn, very controlled, and treacherous. In fact, uh, you know, he, he, well, the guy's dead now. I could talk about it. But uh, when John Gotti was coming to, uh, you know, the Ravenite, the Mulberry Street, and I, I used to be there a lot on Sunday mornings, not that I'm a made guy. And, but I used to go there after church, believe it or not, yeah. and go down there. And a lot of them were at mass. Some of them were very religious. And old, old man Gambino obviously sent me my transistor radio that changed my life. If you read my book and introduced me to my mentor, Frank Sinatra. And so I, I was well received because they all knew again, my uncle in Sicily. But with that said, I mean, that crew was tough. But there was a guy who hated me till the day he died. His name was John Gotti. <laughs> and John Gotti used to come down there on Sundays and, and play his, his um, tribute. And O'Neill was his guy. And that's when John was very heavy into hijacking and Howard Beach and the airports and everything else. But he was getting, you know, making his bones, and he loved O'Neill. And O'Neill, one day, one day he asked O'Neill who I was and why was I in the club. And I won't even tell you what O'Neill did to him. <laughs> he didn't come there for 30 days. <laughs> you know, and when you talk about uh, violent people or people who had a reputation of violence, Joey Gallo oh uh, has to be way up high there on the list. This guy was... Yeah. Uh, this guy was an outsider who wanted to run everything. This man had a lion in his basement, an African lion. And yep. he would use it to intimidate people. And I'm sure there wasn't too many people he didn't uh, uh, intimidate because that lion was always hungry. Right. And uh, where did he get that lion? Nobody ever really addressed that, you know? No. Well, you know, at that time, without, without people with cameras on their phones, yeah. Bringing a lion down to these. I mean, what do you go lion? Where do you get a lion from? I don't know. I, I, maybe you know somebody at Ringling Brothers. I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he, he had that lion there for years, and and if if you cross him, or he wanted to put put it better, if he wanted to convince somebody of something, he would introduce you to the lion. Yeah, and that that generally changed people's minds. So when you talk about crazy people, I hope that answers your question. You know, I'm sitting here thinking and looking at Julia. She must be saying to herself, why do I want to do this? Why do I want to be a part of this? <laughs> Who are these guys? <laughs> well, she's safe. She, 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 Let's she's talk about a Broadway movie. play or something I know about. <laughs> if anybody gets, anybody gets angry at us, they can drive by your house, my house, and just shoot through the windows. She's safe. We don't know where she is. We don't want to know. <laughs> That's right. She's not, she's not in, within our reach. <laughs> no. And I respect her mother and father always. So that's another thing. Moving on. So the next one is from Ralph, addressed to everyone. If you had to do it all over again, what different course would you have taken regarding career and family? Well, I, this might sound odd, but uh, I would have stayed in the Army. I actually liked the Army. Uh, and I was in at a very bad time. Uh, I, I'm a, those of you who don't know, I'm a Vietnam vet. Uh, I'm a Vietnam combat vet. I was in the first infantry division. I was a machine gunner. But, uh, you know, you are in a, in a, in a war zone uh, for your entire career. One year was enough. But I actually uh, liked the military. I went up the ranks fairly quickly. But when it was time to get out, I had that, if I had to reenlist uh, with my area of expertise, if you can call it that, I would have probably wound up back in Vietnam. So I, I didn't choose to re-enlist. My second choice would probably have, instead of going on the NYPD, where I also did well, I would have gone into the FBI if I had to do all over again. And to round it out, I probably would have gotten married much younger and had my children much younger. Uh, I, uh, I was too busy being uh, Indiana Jones and uh, having a good time and uh, doing what young cops do. 
And I, I got married rather late and had my children rather late. But look Even what your children did. His son just graduated medical school. His <laughs> other son is a leading on this field. I mean, don't beat yourself on that I'm one. I'm not beating myself up. You know, sometimes I say, you know, these kids will probably switch to birth. But that's another story. Uh, <laughs> not, you know, I'm, I'm happy that they didn't turn out to be serial killers. Who would have thought one would be a doctor? The other one would be in private industry and doing well. But uh, they weren't born until uh, I was 48 and 53, don't forget. So I would have uh, given a choice. I would have rather had gone through all that in my 20s so I can grow up with them. Uh, even though uh, they have a hard time keeping up with me. That said, you know, how long is that going to last? How about you? What would you have done differently? Me? Yeah, not, anything. not one thing. I really? love my life. I love, I love the ups and downs of my life. It's taught me so much. It's given me a foundation that very little can disappoint me. I'm prepared for the worst and ready for the best. You know, that's that's a very good point you bring out. Uh, we, we've been friends for five years. I have never, ever seen you depressed. Or nope. a bit. Never. And I mean, you've been through some stuff that the audience doesn't know about, uh, but I do. And I'm saying if that was me, I, I, I wouldn't come out of my hole for like six months. And you just slough everything off and look at the bright side of things. I admire you for that. I don't know how the hell you do it. Uh, well, it's called you, five years in Bellevue from, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, from I, seven you know, to 12. Say, well, you, That's you know, the foundation. You're a true meaning of the term. It could always be worse because you've been through the worst when you were seven to 12 years old. All yeah. by yourself, family deserted you. But still, you know, we, we, we get hammered down in life by stuff. Then it could be fleeting. And you have one or two bad days. You never have a bad day. And no. it's not an act, but I'd be able to tell. Oh yeah. no! I mean, you, you, as you said, we talk all hours a day, every day. Yeah, right. Collaborating yeah. on two books already. Yeah. I just love my life. I mean, even the, the few times, Julia, but well, you've been out to dinner with me, your, your father and I, and all yeah. that. And I uh, my, I'm the same person all the time. Yeah. My kids ask me, "What's your secret?" I said, "Well, be happy. First of all, you guys are all privileged and think you you don't have enough. I have enough." Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, when we first met, I'm thinking, you know, gee, what what kind of drugs he's on, and if he has any to spare. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I found out this is just you and God no. bless you, man. No, I've been blessed. I, I, I yeah, no doubt that. about it. Good questions though. These are really great questions. Yeah. Well, we saved them up. Good. Yeah, we, and we, don't we forget done all of you who are listening, please write to us. Cause that this is the backbone of what we're trying to do and want to communicate with you and give you what you want to hear. So, um, you know, this is what's created us. 200 something hours of positive podcasting. And we don't give advice. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only advice we give is listen to the podcast. That's very important. Yeah. Subscribe. Okay, Julia. Next question is from Jeannie. So she said, I just finished reading The Sixth Family and it was beyond fantastic. The characters felt wow. real and the twists and turns in the plot were great. Question. Would it be feasible for someone to break away from one of the existing five families or an outsider to attempt to create a sixth mafia family? You guys made the prospect seem doable and believable in your novel. I think it's doable now because of the, you know, the, uh, there's not the allegiance that came with it early on and you had to earn it. There's so many ways to make money right now. And there's so many families. I mean, there are, Russian families, the Albanian families. There's there's a lot of different mobs out there. I mean, drug yeah. lords. Look at these families. So, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I mean, the old the old school. No. I'm yeah, sorry. no. I was to say that too. There was uh, there was more cohesiveness. The mob was very strong up until probably the, the, the late seventies. They they were uh, a government unto themselves. Now you have so much uh, infighting. You have the. Uh, 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 RICO laws, uh, federal laws are putting people away. Everybody's going to jail. The structure is weak. So it's an opportune time for somebody that wants to start a sex family. And this is this is part of the book Gian, that Johnny and I just wrote, uh, the, the creation of a sex family. 
Uh, and one of the things that I think would, would have to be done is to change the rules regarding punishment. Uh, the way things are now, you know, the, the rules are you don't touch the families, you don't touch the cops, you don't go near reporters. And the reason the mafia, one of the reasons the mafia has lost its strength is because the other ethnic organized crime groups, and I will choose the Albanians and the Asians, they don't care who you are. They will kill you, your, your, your kids. If you have a parakeet, they'll kill the parakeet and the next door neighbors to make a point. And if you want to have strength to rise above the five families and create your own, you have to make the rules more stringent. Uh, but there's rewards too. I mean, if, you, if you're going to say, you know, you absolutely cannot talk. You cannot talk to the police because your family will be hurt. That said, me as the boss, I'm now getting 15% of, uh, of what you make because the money travels up in the mob. It's a hierarchical society. I, I will uh, no longer take 15%. I will take 10%. We all have to work together. But you know what's going to happen if you're rat. But yes, that there could be a sixth family. I agree with Gianni. Oh, I know there could be. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we. Well, the, the good news about this lady who asked this question: you read the book and you said the characters were very believable. There were a lot of believable, real characters in that book. Yeah, well, that, uh, you know, the, the cleverness that Pat came up with because we realized, and I realized by the advice of my attorneys and very close friends of mine, we could not write another Godfather, my life in the movie, in the uh, Hollywood Godfather, because of we really disclosed a lot of what I did earlier on in life. And fortunately, I've had no repercussions from it. Well, and, I and, think we were smart that we knew where to stop. But that said, when we were talking about a second book, I mean, you have enough true stories, part of your me uh, memoir series could easily be a trilogy, but whose feet do you step on? Do you make mistakes? And uh, what, what are the repercussions going to be? So we, we decided let's, let's do a novel, but there's a disclaimer in this, uh, on, on the first page of this book, uh, this is a work of fiction, except for the parts that are true. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is labeled, so clever. the book is labeled as fiction, and this is going to be a series. Uh, the Six Families is the first in the series, but we intermingle fact and fiction, and we just left it up to the reader to figure it out. Uh, some of these things that we said, uh, particular. Well, I don't want to talk about what's in the book, but uh, one particular uh, incident dispels a rumor uh, that was depicted in uh, the movie Casino. You know what I'm talking about, Gianni, right? Right. The the, the uh, killing of the brothers. Uh, yeah, we we dispelled that rumor with the truth, and 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 quite a few other areas. So uh, you just have to be careful what you write, I guess. But uh, it worked out well for us, you know, and the, the, there'll be more books in the future. Good question again. Yeah. This next one is from Frank. He said, throughout mafia history, a few bosses have walked away from the mob. Frank Costello and Joe Bonanno come to mind. Have there been any soldiers or capos other than those who flipped who quit the mob? Do you have any personal knowledge of any? I recall the episode of The Sopranos when a soldier asked permission to do just that and he was refused by his captain. The soldier went on to commit suicide. Well, that, that went on for a long time, but there's a lot of guys that flipped and went into witness protection program. And, and Aside from that, somebody just said, I can't take this lifestyle anymore, uh, even though you know he's, he's a member of good standing, whatever crew he's in, and just said, I want to leave. I, I couldn't tell you what any of them, but I'm sure there were. A, a, there's an exception to every rule, but I'm sure. I can't, I I can't think of one. No nope. bosses, on the other hand, yeah, uh, seem to get a little bit of a free ride on some of this. Uh, you know, we're, for instance, we're talking about the the other question of, about the guy that's doing the podcast. Right. He left. Oh yeah, I mean, and and made quite a success of himself in, in civilian life. Joe Bonanno left, 
but I think he was well, Joe Bonanno was exiled. I was a part yeah. of, of that era. And uh, they gave him a choice to go to Sicily or Arizona, and that's it. And he how, about Frank, how about Frank Costello? Well, Costello never left. Costello created the, he didn't leave, he left the Genovese family to create the syndicate, which Maya Lansky and he did. And they, fortunately, they brought in people like Tony Accardo and things like that. So well, the entire echelon took over. Well, toward the end, like uh, from the late, if I say from the, like, uh, mid sixties till he died, he died in 72, right? Yeah. Okay. What did, didn't he become sort of a, uh, an elder statesman, if you will, of, of to the crime to, to, the, to the organization? Yeah, yeah. But, but so was he active? I mean, he was still getting his, his, his tribune and all that. But was he at that period in his life after the shooting, after he almost got killed? Was he, he was, still? He was so active right to the day he died. He organized more illegitimate gambling halls all throughout this country. Texas, New Orleans. He was a part of all of that. He still had the same power. Well, yeah, he had the power. Cause, yeah, because he could still enforce it. Don't forget, one thing these old timers never did, never stopped doing, I should have said not did, never stopped doing, was paying the tribute to Sicily. I was just in Sicily again. You know that, Pat. Yeah, right. There's a lot of old timers, and that's one of the reasons they hug and kiss me and they know I was reared by the same people, and I'm, I'll be making a huge announcement. But I'm glad it gives me an opportunity, actually. Go ahead. And I am becoming an ambassador to commerce to the Sicilian government, and they're honoring me at the fancy food show at Javits Center, June 25th, 26th, and 27th, and they're giving me this accolade, and I, you know, I already bought a, a, a pasta company in Sicily. I bought a coffee company. So they're giving me an expansion, but it's all because of my relationship of who I knew and who I, they said, you know, go. When Which is this uh, ceremony? What's that? When is this uh, ceremony, whatever it's going to be? June 25th at, at the Javits Center. Okay. Yeah, it's like insane. There, there is a Sicilian pavilion that I'm in. It's so crazy. My booth number is 3307. Come by. <laughs> you're going to taste Corleone pasta from Corleone. And I was questioning why you're always in a good mood. Well, now I know the answer. <laughs> Every day is a different day. I mean, you know, this is one thing. You know, we Like we were explaining to the audience, we talk at least every other day. I mean, sometimes, sometimes more. And every time the phone rings, I'm going to say, well, if I'm having a bad day, he's going to cheer me up. <laughs> and you always do with some other news that affects us in some kind of a way, or even affects you. I'm always, I'm very happy for you and your success. Yeah, no, a, 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 a lot of times it affects the, the two of us and our projects. Uh, so you know, I, I can see why you have the attitude you do. But but it, you know, you're just built like that. No, but this is insane. This honor to have, you know, I'm, I'm trying to move all my products there now. I'm, 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 I'm gen I, but I have something that's going to be so interesting. And I want all of you to try it. And if you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. I have cannolis that have a year lifespan on the shelf without refrigeration. And they're amazing. What is it? Bulletproof cannolis you're talking about? No, they're not bulletproof. They're, <laughs> they're made, they're made out of walnut paste, but it tastes like regatta. They're coming out and get, and guess what they call don't forget the cannolis but leave the gun right <laughs> no but i didn't want to put the gun in it i know you want little kids great, to know about that you know that you know that's the first thing any italian would think of there's cheese in there it's, it's going to go bad in an hour and a half if it's left out of the says it on the box shelf life without refrigeration one year amazing when do they set the shelves in the good old us of a the last quarter of this year all right <laughs> That was a quick commercial. Did we have to break for a commercial? That was a great commercial. Yeah, let's do it. Let's break. I just did it. No, I, that's how we well, can... I mean, we're, we're about at that time. We should go to another commercial. Okay. We'll be right back. Thank you. We are pleased to announce the publication of a new book series from Gianni Russo and Patrick Piccarelli entitled The Sixth Family. 
the alleged daughter of Marilyn Monroe asks for help, Gianni Russo becomes entangled in a web of lies and violence in the search for the late actress's diary. Soon, he is enmeshed in a mystery that involves a presidential candidate, a disgruntled Mafia Copo, a retired NYPD detective, and the past of Mafia boss Frank Costello. Russo must race against the clock to stop a hostile reorganization of the American Mafia while trying to stay one step ahead of a faceless killer. While listening to this book, skillfully read by Gianni himself, the listener will have to determine what is true and what is fiction. Or as Gianni says before this epic story begins, this book is a work of fiction, except for the parts that are true. Look out for the second installment of this exciting new series coming in 2023. The Sixth Family. Book One is available now on Amazon.com. I we're back. And moving on, I mean, this has been amazing. And we really want, and I, I stress this, I really want to hear some emails about how you like Julia joining our family, because that's what she's doing. And we were just uh, telling, uh, we were just talking amongst us when we were on the break, uh, that within six months, Julia's going to lose her Australian accent. <laughs> she's going to have a heavy New York accent with a little twinge of Italian. And then she'll be an official member of the show because nobody else will hire her. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got a big career. Unfortunately, Julia, though, we were very lucky for Megan. We love Megan. She was wonderful. She, she went on and uh, she's, I mean, her. I don't want to tell you what she's doing, but she's an associate producer to a major, major television show on the network. <laughs> so, I mean, you could use this as a stepping stone. We don't want to scare you. <laughs> The only thing is, when, uh, Julia, when you get rich and famous, remember us little people, okay? Oh, of course. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so the next question is from Angelo, and he's us saying, a group of wise guys go out to dinner, and no, this is not the beginning of a bad joke. <laughs> is there a protocol as to who picks up the check? My late uncle, who was connected back in the day, once told me that wise guys are the cheapest people he's ever met. You guys have a great podcast. I've listened from episode one. I'm also about halfway through The Sixth Family and can't say enough good things about the story. And this is coming from a person who rarely reads fiction. I bought the book because I wanted to support the show and on recommendations from two friends. One of my better decisions. Thanks for some great entertainment. I particularly liked how the Gianni character reacts to the roadblocks he runs into throughout the book. Great job. I'll be posting a five-star review on Amazon. Oh, thank you. That Well, Pat, we have to congratulate for that. What do we have to say about uh, the the thriftiness of Wise Guys? Because I've seen it. Well, I've, I've never seen it, fortunately, because the the realm, I mean, if it's a small family boss or whatever, he, he expects everything to be paid for by his underlings. Well, you do expose more to the upper echelon of the mob. People that I saw uh, with, with the soldiers, the uh, uh, associates, uh, these guys were, were tight as a crab's ass, man, and that's waterproof. I mean, these guys, <laughs> to try, you know, they, they, they were stiffing people, arguing amongst each other who's going to pay the check. Uh, I don't know. I, I just thought that odd. They were rolling in dough. Oh, were doing that, it I, thank God I was never on that level. But yeah. the way the the rule is with the top echelon of this organization, mm. whoever invites you to dinner picks up the check. Makes sense. That's how it is. How about- and, and, and that's that's a rule. I mean, that's a, an unwritten rule. So then at that dinner, I'd say, you know, Next week, it's on me. Where do you want to go? And that's how it keeps going. How about a guy that just gets made within the crew? Is he, as an initiation, is he obligated to get stuck with checks? I've heard that. No, no nobody uh, gets stuck with anything. No, I, mean, okay. I, I think that's a bad image. I mean, again, I can't speak for everybody. I could speak about, I, I mean, I knew at one time 14 different families. Yeah. Kansas City, New Orleans, and all that. I never saw a boss run away from any check. Yeah, like I said, it wasn't the bosses, it was everybody else. Well, you know, the soldiers. 
Well, well, the soldiers are really not made guys. That's the whole thing. They're, they're, they're trying to be. They are definitely the definition of wannabes. <laughs> All right, Julia, what do we have next? Yes, so the next one is from Patrick, and he said, what made you decide to become a police officer? I come from a family of cops, from my great-grandfather to the recent. For my father and uncles, it seemed like more of a calling than a job. What's your take? I had no direction in life. I got out of Vietnam, and I didn't know what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. I had some some, uh, issues because I was there. And uh, I was passing a high school one night and there was it was an open test generally or usually historically when you come in the NYPD, there's a long involved process just to take the test. Uh, that takes months. Uh, they were so hard up for cops. Uh, there wasn't a popular time to be a police officer. It was even worse than it is now that they had that they just threw the doors open to just come and take the test. It was a walk in test. I was on my way to a card game because I was I was playing cards mostly for, uh, to make money. Uh, and I said, I'll, I'll take it. Well, I got 100 on the test because it was so simple, so easy. I mean, Ray Charles could have passed this test with a bag over his head. I mean, you didn't even have to look at the page. <laughs> Let me give you an example. They had, they needed 3,500 cops. So that said, you couldn't get 3,500 cops in the country, let alone on one job, to apply. They had a question. They had a picture of a clock. And I'm not lying. This is a true story. A picture of a clock. And the question was, and you had four choices. The question is, if the big hand is on the 12 and the little hand is on the three, what time is it? What? No, it's not a trick question. It's a freaking question. Wow. And they gave you four choices. One of the one of it was, you know, well, uh, 20 minutes to eight. <laughs> it was one of, you know. Uh, it really it, must have been hard up for cops, I'll tell you. Hard that. up wasn't a word for it. The, the, uh, the, the then uh, mayor-elect, his name was John Lindsay. Oh got elected God. on the platform that he was going to get 3,500 cops assigned to the job. As soon as he got elected, where he was going to get these cops from was anybody's guess because no one wanted the job. Right. It was at the height of the Vietnam War. Cop cop work, oh God, police man. work was not the thing to do. So I came on. Uh, right away, I took the test in May. I was on in October. to give you a gun and a shield back then. The first day, no training. And it were, there were riots in the street. And off we went. And I was influenced by a, 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 an undercover detective named Grant Webster. Uh, he was an undercover narcotics guy. And I was like 21 years old, 20 years old, no, 21, still in the academy. And this guy lived next door to me. I mean, I was, uh, we were getting paid $3,500 a year. I couldn't even afford my apartment. I was living in my parents' house. He lived next door with his wife. And this guy would regale stories about undercover uh, narcotics and the life he was living. And I just came back from a war. This is what I wanted. Like I, I couldn't get the excitement Jones out of my body. And I said, I'm going to be a cop just like him. Well, one day I was still in the academy and I'm still looking up to this guy. I'm washing my car in the driveway with a beat up old 57 Thunderbird. And cop cars come out of everywhere. Uh, you, uh, uh, marked cars, unmarked cars. A bunch of plainclothesmen get out of the uh, out of the unmarked cars, go up to the house next door where this guy lived. Didn't even ring the bell. They broke down the door with a battering ram and took this guy out in handcuffs. And I never saw him again. Wow! And that scared the hell out of me. And this is when they, I did, did you did you find out what he was tried on? Yeah, he was part of the uh, special investigation unit SIU. In fact, we had a guy on the show a couple of uh, oh yeah, yeah 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 they 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 made the movie. Uh, Prince of the City, uh, based on the SIU, which was totally corrupt. I mean, they were really bad. Anyway, he got caught. He just vanished. Never saw him again. His wife, the kid, everybody gone. And that's when I decided I was going to wow. try to find an incorruptible. Now, this was in the, in the late 60s, early 70s. I was going to try to find an incorruptible unit in the NYPD. And that's where I was going. Because I didn't want to get tainted with any of this. Plus, uh, I, I don't look good in stripes. I didn't want to go to jail. <laughs> and that's how I wound up in the tactical patrol force because they were the, the cleanest of the clean. And that's where I stayed for three years to insulate myself. But he, he I'll, I'll never forget this guy's name. He had to have gotten some serious time. I have no idea. Anybody knows out there what happened to this guy? He also went by the name of Grant Weber. So, so, uh, say the name one more time. Grant Webster or Grant Weber. 
he he went by two last names, but I assumed that was because of his uh, he's working in an undercover capacity. I mean, he 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 played the game: long hair, beard. How, how old would he be now? He was the early eighties. He was older than me, so early eighties, mid eighties, if he's still around. But if anybody knows what I'm happened, my eighties, I'm still around. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, but you had a different lifestyle than this guy. I mean, uh, back then you could. There wasn't any, you know, testing for drugs. Everybody's used drugs. I mean, the cops. Everybody it was the same. Cops get the best drugs. Everybody was doing something. Not everybody, but quite a few people. I didn't want any, any, anything to do with that. But anyway, well, if you're out there, Grant. Call in. We'd like to talk to you. Patrick. Yeah, we'd, we'd like to talk to you. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's why I, 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 after a while, I started to uh, rise in the department. I became a lieutenant. Uh, they, they, they pay for my college. I got a bunch of, as Gianni says, I have more degrees than a thermometer. I mean, they, they, they paid for most of it until I got out. I continued to go. But they set me on the straight and narrow because without some kind of focus like the military gave me, Without some kind of focus, like the NYPD gave me, which is a quasi-military organization, I don't know where I would have wound up. Probably as Grant Webster's cellmate, because mm. I was going in that direction. So, wow. uh, yeah, I thank the NYPD for that. That's why I came on the job. All right. Okay. Um, this is the last question here. It's from Hugo for Gianni. I like the Resurrected podcast newsletters with your appearances included, especially for those of us who want to see you in person. Can you give us a schedule for July? The current newsletter runs through the end of June. We will have it for you. I can't do it now. I mean, uh, we have an engineer and we we have two mics doing all this for us. And um, we we have a newsletter, right, Pat? Yeah, I, I'm trying to put it out uh, once a month, and so far I'm, I'm sticking to the schedule. Uh, I, I think what this guy wants to know is, can you give uh, – so a lot of people contact me and say, hey, I read the newsletter. I, I saw where he is. He's, he's appearing uh, close to me. Sold out. I'm hearing it, sold out, sold out, sold out. So what, well, that I, I can't help. I know. Well, I think and I, I don't want to not – I don't want to throw anybody out. <laughs> I've I been blessed this, with that, too. I can't believe it. I think what this writer wants to know is, are you scheduled somewhere in July that you can give the readers a heads up so they can be getting uh, tickets earlier? Yeah. What, what you should do then, July 20th, a Thursday night, I'm at the Regent Theater in Arlington, Massachusetts. It's online right now. We could, I mean, they did a great job in promoting it. In fact, they're asking me if they sell out while I do another night, I will. So if you really want to go see my show, it's an 80-minute show. It's uh, the book that I made the 80-minute show, and it's you'll find it very interesting. I guarantee you that. And uh, I've been getting standing ovations, and I have 18 more cities to go this year. Who's counting, right? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, so th that July show, I know that's available to you. Okay, uh, to, to get, go a little further on that, as soon as I get uh, Gianni's schedule, I, I put it in the, in the newsletter, it's the best we can do. Yeah. You know, go to Instagram. Uh, that's the upside. It'll be on Instagram. The downside is he's got 20,000 20, followers on Instagram. So if you're considering going to one of his shows, buy tickets as soon as you see it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they're, they're, they're not exorbitant. They're, 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 yeah. They're affordable. Well, that was great. Julie, yes, let's hear after this exhausting <laughs> 40, 50 minutes, what's your take on it now that you actually sat in the chair? Yeah, well, obviously I've been to dinner with you a couple of times, Johnny, and um, whenever I listen to the podcasts or the audio books, it's like I'm sitting across the table with you at dinner and it's actually nice because we're on a Zoom recording this and just being able to see your expressions and, you know, it's just so interesting. And, and I want to clarify this to our audience. We're at a dinner table with her parents. I don't want anybody <laughs> think anything weird because I know how, how all you crazy people are out there. Saying, this guy, now we know why she's there. No, yeah. so, so family is always was, across the table. Now, you know, this, uh, after, after this hour, we've been on almost an hour now. After this hour, this is more information that I really wanted to know. 
if you're not thinking it now, once we start talking about uh, other topics, you may be saying that. But anyway, someday you, you you may write a book. Who knows? And you have plenty to write about. There you go. Well, I want to thank you, first of all, for taking the time out. And uh, you wanted the shot at it. You yeah, did. it was lots of fun. All right. Thanks. Well, please. Thank you. We appreciate thank it. You. And to our audience, thank you. Tune in, tell your friends, buy the books, look us up everywhere. We are everywhere right we now. We are everywhere. Don't look over your shoulder. We're there. Okay. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. God bless. that but i'll be back thank you for tuning in to the hollywood godfather podcast you can contact gianni russo or patrick picciarelli with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter you can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038 remember to follow us on instagram at hollywood godfather and on facebook as well as leave us a review on apple podcasts we'd like to know what you like about what we're doing what you'd like to hear in the future and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast most importantly hit the subscribe button We'll be back next week with stories of the mob in Hollywood as well as answers to your messages. My kids still can't believe I sat with a saint. My life's like scenes out of a movie. I'm the Hollywood Godfather, truly. I got stories with them all. You know, celebrities, world leaders, icons. Who knows what's next for me? I'll never get too old to have a little fun. Come on, I'm Gianni Russo. A genuine one of a kind. What a ride it's been, this life of mine. And I ain't done yet. I'll be back until next time. And that was that.